Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones, Penn State's bye week. Dave. How are you, man? How are well, you? Well, I'm fine, but Kaiser hasn't had his breakfast and he's pissed off. You know what I've been doing? I've been working on the Big Ten basketball preseason poll that the uh, the young, energetic, 32-year-old reporters want done like today. So I'm... <laughs> so it's not been much of a bye week. Okay, I got <laughs> it. Uh, and I got back on the AP basketball poll, and I don't, I don't know what – Dan Gelston conned me into it, and I don't know. I'm, I'm going to hate myself in about – Talk yourself out of it right now because you're going to hate it come February. It's too late. It's too late. I'm screwed, and I I don't know what I was thinking. I, I got me in a weak moment. I'm juggling. I'm juggling, man. I'm juggling. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Uh, let's let's get to a couple things. There's only one bit of news, and it's not major. The mysterious uh, absence of Smith Vilbert will continue for the rest of the year. He is going to practice with the scout team, but he will be unavailable this year, much like. Hakeem Beeman was last year. I don't know if he was going to crack the rotation, but he did have a three-sack game the last time we saw him. So that's the really only bit of news, Dave. You know, I uh, I think it's been a pretty interesting last couple of days. Sure as hell has. Yeah. And the Big Ten, yeah. Yeah. So let's maybe we can get into that a little bit and then circle back to some things we think about, we know about Penn State after five games. But to you, is the big story what happened in Wisconsin for you? We used to be able to say, I put it to you, Greg. <laughs> now he's not here anymore. The, the, the Wisconsin thing is kind of a tectonic event in this league because Wisconsin was the stable place where they didn't make changes. And you have to discount the Bo Ryan thing because that was that was off the that was that was a personnel issue personal issue wasn't yeah, it? it was it was and everyone kind of knows the story but no one is is at liberty to say why but there were reasons there were reasons that he was kind of guided out the door this is not that i mean paul christ was given the dreaded uh, vote of confidence by the new athletic director uh, Chris McIntosh, who uh, you may remember or may not. It was before your time. He used to be an offensive lineman. One I of remember that players. name. I do. I don't know what he played, but I definitely remember him as a football player. Uh, he was he was one of those guys, one of those big uh, panel trucks they used to have on the offensive line under Barry blocking for Ron Dane. Ron Dane, we liked Badger football when Ron Dane was here. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was the ultimate Wisconsin team because – Wisconsin has always had these droids as, at quarterback. You know, they were like plug-in quarterbacks, and that was Greg Samuel, who was the ultimate faceless droid. And he comes from that era. And I don't know what your opinion is, but I don't know that Wisconsin can pull that off anymore in the age of, A, athletes and spreading the field. I mean, back then, all you had to do was beat 
Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, and you were pretty much you could out physical those teams because they didn't use their athletes like they do now. Even Ohio State under John, that was John Cooper back then. He didn't use his athletes, and there wasn't this giant gap between Ohio State's athletes and even Penn State's athletes and, and Michigan's athletes and Wisconsin. It was it was more like a gap like this. But they got embarrassed by Ohio State, and they've been embarrassed a, a few times now in a row. Uh, they got beat by Washington State with Jake Dickert, a former uh, low-level Wisconsin, I think it was Wisconsin Stevens Point uh, guy with 200 of his family and friends in, uh, who's coaching Washington State. You know, that's an outpost. And they shouldn't be able to beat Wisconsin. They were like a 12-point dog and came in there and won. Then they go get their brains beat in in Columbus. And then the big man, Big Beals, comes swaggering in, all four bills of him. And <laughs> they embarrass, not only that, but they were, if you watched the game, I went back and watched Big Ten football in 60. It was, it was a good game. It was 14 to 10 at halftime. Uh, but Wisconsin seemed like they, you know, Graham Mertz is throwing a couple of bad balls. No, no, no. <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, but but they're in the game. And then apparently, and McIntosh heard about this later, because the players, a couple of players said, he came in at halftime and said, we got to draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand. And then they just go out and get freight trained on the first drive. It's 21-10. It ends up 34-10. to they were embarrassed by the guy who left Barry Alvarez for Arkansas. It was just indigestible. And I think Chris McIntosh made a spontaneous decision and they might, they might regret it. They might not. We'll see. But I don't know that Jim Leonard, who I loved as a player, is ready for this job. Maybe they get Lance Leipold if it doesn't work. And then he's a perfect fit for Wisconsin. But I don't know. What do you think? I think the combination of getting merged and Bielemud at the same time on their on their <laughs> home turf, you can't you can't overcome that, Dave. And I think I want to I would like some credit from you. I was off the Mertz bandwagon before anyone. You were. I was, and uh, I, I'm actually I, I I really think when Paul Christ was at Pittsburgh, he did some really good things there. He he produced some really good players. And then it got, I think it got a little stale there before he left there. Not a lot stale, not as bad as it was it's it, man. I'm just wondering if there is a shelf life with Paul Chris coaching because there is not a lot of, uh, you know, mystery about what they do. And, and if you can stay with them at their own game and you have better athletes than them, it's, it's only a matter of time before they're, they're built to, they're built to play bully ball. And if that doesn't work, if you could score 20 points on them, you're probably going to beat them. Well, that's the West. The, the thing is, you can't get destroyed by one of your brethren in the division who does what you do better than you do it. That was what was indigestible, I think, for McIntosh. And he goes to Barry, and Barry, Barry goes, Godfather, the Godfather. It's like asking Marlon Brando and the Godfather. Hey, uh, I want to whack this guy. <laughs> and Barry just nodded, you know. Uh it's it's pretty pretty wacky. So now you got Jim Leonard in there who is a tremendous you remember him as a great NFL a, a guy who made his own career. 10-year NFL safety. I just he was he was he wasn't even a coach of any kind until Paul Chris hired him uh 4 or 5 years ago. 
and now he's a head coach. I just don't know if he's ready for this. So they might end up with Lance Leipold, who coached, I believe, at Wisconsin Whitewater for a total of 10 years, knows the turf, and he would be perfect because I just don't know if Wisconsin can be any better than that. Just win the West, and you're never going to beat Ohio State. You're probably not even going to beat Michigan or Penn State if you end up in the, in the championship game. That's the best you can do. That's the best you can hope for. And people are asking me, are they going to turn into the next Nebraska because of this? And that's what I'll ask you. I mean, could could that happen? Well, let, let me let me phrase it another way to you, Dave. So I think that if you were going to say at this point in the season, if you had to rank the most surprising team or teams in the Big Ten, I think Penn State probably, if they're not one, they're close, right? They're they're in the conversation. But if you had to rank maybe the three biggest disappointments, obviously Nebraska's up there. Wisconsin's up there, maybe Michigan State would be up there, but I just, you, it, it, I think it just kind of gets to, you know, once you get past Ohio State, and I'm still not completely sure how good Michigan's going to be over time under Harbaugh. Once you get past that, like it's there's a lot of uncertainty because Penn State had to deal with it for the better part of the last two years before they turned it around this year. Well, everything is in flux. I mean, the fact is, just because Wisconsin lost that game. It doesn't mean anything. They could, they could, they're they're 0-2. They're the only 0-2 team in the West. But they're a game out of first, you know? It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. The other team they lost to was out of the division. So you you can't, I don't know if you can sell out on Paul Christ when he's won eight or nine games every single year, no, no fewer. I just think it was premature, and I think they might regret it. And if they don't make the, the right hire, if they make a Bill Callahan hire here, <laughs> they could turn into Nebraska because that is a very fragile model there. Uh, it's a very fragile what they do. Well, I suppose we had a transition into Michigan because that's Penn State's next opponent. How much of the Iowa game did you watch? Because that's another team out bully balling a team that that wants to do that in, in Iowa. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I only caught the, the highlights, Dave, but I have been noticing, I have been noticing the, uh, the carries per game for Blake Corum as the season kind of unfurls. And I don't think that he is built to sustain that kind of workload, but I don't think Jim Harbaugh cares. Well, Sharon Moore doesn't care either, who's, who's a former offensive line coach who's who's the OC. So they feel the same way. They like a feature back. They think he's Mike Hart, and Mike Hart was built about the same way, and he took a he took that that kind of workload. I don't know if those those times are still around, but they've got another kid who uh, you might have noticed their, their changeup back, Anthony Edwards, who's pretty damn good. Uh, Hassan Haskins was the, the the feature back last year, and then Quorum would come in as a changeup guy. I think Quorum, to your point, is built for that better than he is for this this job. Uh, so we will see, but he does have help, and he's got man, he's got. One of the most – if you didn't watch the, the Iowa game, it was impressive. Because you know how Iowa tries to pressure under Parker. They try, they try to force turnovers. They're, they're kind of like a poor man's Manny Diaz type of defense. They don't have the speed, but they've got a lot of their front seven pressures and pressures and tries to get pressure points to get turnovers off of. All these quarterbacks, to, to your other point, you hate bad quarterbacks. It goes all the way back to Jack Cohn. Another Wisconsin quarterback. 
Wookie Stanzi, was that a name for from the past? Yeah, but they they be. <laughs> now that was I, Iowa. That was Iowa. There's a lot of there've been a lot of Iowa There's quarterbacks. There's a lot of similarities between the two programs when it comes to quarterbacks. Well, you don't it's not that they're bad quarterbacks. You just don't like bland featureless quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that stink, generally speaking. <laughs> so, there are a lot of opportunities to do that on defense. I mean, Manny did it against Auburn against a couple of guys who could not deal with people don't realize that uh, not just centers but quarterbacks have to call out blocking responsibilities. Manny's given these quarterbacks all these exotic looks. They're bringing three and four DBs up on the line. You don't, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how you even call out assignments with some of these. Yeah, and Dave, I think I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think James Franklin is blowing smoke when he says, you know what, Sean might be not always be locked in on when it comes to throwing the ball, but – I think that some of the stuff he's done with regard to identifying pressure, getting getting people set up, moving the backs around, I'm not sure that Drew is really ready for that yet. And I don't know how you get ready for that, you know, in season, but I think that there's a little bit of a pause there. And that's especially given the schedule that's coming up. The fan base is like, why, why, why won't they give Drew, you know, more time? But I do think there is something to be said for getting the team in the right play and the right protection consistently. Yeah, but how does he get experience doing just that if he doesn't play? I mean, buddy, they could have played eight quarters against Northwestern and not lost that game. And they proved it by giving them five turnovers, and they still couldn't even make it a one-score one game. That's the game you play him in. Yeah, but the, the cushion, I guess, never got big enough for James and, and for Mike. But I, I would have given him a series for sure. It never does. So what I'm trying to say is Iowa, while they don't have as much speed as Penn State does, they play that aggressive sort of defense. And I'm telling you, Michigan just steamrolled them. It was a methodical. This offensive line is really, really good. And it's it's not just Blake Quorum. Donovan Edwards came in on the – who was a very good back, came in on the first series, and he was interspersed in there. And he's a very good back. So he's a good changeup back – they don't really have a workload guy, but but I think Donovan Edwards, now that he's healthy, is going to get some carries. And so it's going to be a very tough defensive task for Penn State to face these guys because you know they are going to do what Auburn should have done. And I don't know what Brian Harson was thinking, but <laughs> Sharkface and Sharon Moore are going to think it, and they are going to test that front and they're going to only throw play action with the young quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. And I, I think Corum and Edwards behind that offensive line is a formidable, formidable chore. Dave, I did see your guy, Brian Harson blow a 17-0 lead to LSU uh, on Saturday night as well. That, that wasn't a good look for him either. And uh, that's got to be quite the hot seat he's, uh, he's on right now. Yeah, I, I didn't even see how they did that, but they didn't fire him. Even Auburn which is notorious for meddling and they didn't they didn't fire their coach in season. Harson has survived everything, but Paul Chris can't. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. 
the other thing that we saw this this last week is how much uh, Penn State's next opponent after Michigan missed their feature back, Mo Ibrahim. I don't know if anybody other than Michigan can play bully ball this year because Michigan State's not really doing it. Illinois kind of is, but they're not. They don't have. They don't have a huge offensive line or the the guys to do that consistently. Wisconsin's not doing it, and now Minnesota had a real problem without Mo Ibrahim in the game, and they lose at home to Purdue and score ten points. And that RPO attack looked very inert without Ibrahim in there. They got Trey Potts coming in, and he just doesn't hit holes like Ibrahim did. And Tanner Morgan had a bad day, so that might be an easier game. I, I expect Ibrahim will be back by that game, but they looked vulnerable. I, I, I would say he's the MVP of the season simple, simply because he's the most valuable player to his team. And that was that was in evidence. I mean, compared to what they did in their private previous games and then how bad they looked against Purdue. The West is completely up for grabs. <laughs> and we don't really know how good anyone in the East is except for Ohio State. So that's that's the picture. How about how about if Bielema steals it in the West? He could. He could. Anybody can win that division. This sounds really crazy. You know as the easiest schedule in the West and is now tied for first because everyone's tied for first? Is is it Northwestern? No. They can't win. You know that. You've seen Do not say Nebraska. Do not say yeah, Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've got an incredibly easy schedule. I mean, I can't even believe how easy. Let me let me look at this. You you don't have any photos of you shaking hands with Mickey Joseph anywhere, do you? It's just not bust. Look, listen to this. Listen to this. They just beat Indiana, so they're one and one. They're at Rutgers, at Purdue, which is actually looking like a tougher game. Illinois at home, Minnesota at home, at Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. They are in five and four could win the division. (laughs) (laughs) There's five wins in there. Come on, Bob. It could happen. You know what? I don't know how Penn State fans feel about this, but for for the whiteout game after the Michigan game, I want to see Mo Ibrahim. And I hope Penn State fans do because I want Minnesota to be able to. It's a whiteout game. I want them to be able to give it their best shot. And I want to see how Penn State responds to uh, a running back like that because he's he's not he's definitely not Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter but what he does man he does he does really really well and when he gets going it's like John Riggins uh in the early 80s for the Redskins once the diesel gets cranked up you're not gonna crank that and that's the thing he does get going he gets southbound in a hurry and he's a freight train going downhill and nobody wants to tackle him I was looking at one particular play on on Minnesota's first series, and they've got a hole carved out. Minnesota's got a pretty good offensive line. They got a, a substantial hole carved out over left guard, and Trey Potts just doesn't hit it. He tries to bounce the run outside, which a lot of backs. God bless him. I would not want to do that, but fewer and fewer backs are willing to be a John Riggins these days, especially in college football. They don't like hitting holes, man. I mean, Katron Allen is a really good back for Penn State and because he will do that. Not every school has that. Mo Ibrahim will do it, man. And he would have had 10 yards on this carry, and Trey Potts lost five. That is the difference in an RPO offense that depends 
on sucking up the safeties to in run support. If you don't have a run threat there, uh, and you need you need a run threat out of the quarterback too, but Tanner Morgan's willing to do that once in a while, then you don't have an RPO offense. I mean, Shiraka was dependent on that, and that's why he failed here because they didn't have a dependable running back to to get those yards or or the offensive line to do it. And if Ibrahim cannot get his ankle healthy, is he probably will. Dave, you you're old enough to remember, but in the early '80s, man, and you if you wanted to watch smash mouth football, the Redskins offense when they had it going on, they beat Miami in the Super Bowl. They got back to the Super Bowl against Matt Millen's Raiders, but they did not play well. But if you wanted to watch a team just physically impose their will with some very simple plays, I don't know that it got much better than watching Rigo just <laughs> off behind that offensive line and just wear your fanny out. And they would wear, they would run, didn't they run that counter tray just like Penn State used to? They would they run that play? They were, they were one of the originators of the counter tray. They had some good receivers and they kill you off play action. But boy, when they knew, when Joe Gibbs knew they had you tired, there was nowhere to hide. Riggins never got tired. He was like 35 at the time. He played in the 60s for Kansas. 60. The 82 Super Bowl against the Dolphins was memorable that way because they didn't want any more of him. <laughs> Fourth and one, and Don McNeil tried to tackle him in the hole and paid dearly for it. But now it's funny that two of the most fun teams to watch in the NFL now, since I started doing the power poll for Tuesday morning instead of Monday morning, I can watch some NFL now, which is great, which I owe thanks to you for making that happen. But two of the most fun teams to watch right now are the 49ers and the Eagles. And how about Miles Sanders on Sunday? How good was he? That was very, very impressive. That that's some there's some inside zone running, man. He was he was terrific. The the scheme, uh the talent of Sanders, the fact that they got to worry about Jalen Hurts as a runner and a thrower, but that offensive line is if it's not the best offensive line in football, it's in the top two or three because the Colts have a pretty good offensive line. But boy, with those weapons, as a Cowboys fan, I know they're going to play him in two weeks. And I am not necessarily looking forward to that meeting because you're, you're right. They are a fun team. And Miles Sanders, you know what? He was always a talented guy and he was either hurt or they ignored him last year. I think that new their, their head coach is only in his second year, I think, as a head coach. I think he kind of learned a little bit from that, but their offensive line's healthy and they are, they're devastating people at the line of scrimmage and the Eagles, as long as they're healthy, I don't know that they're, they're going to be around for a very long time in January. Yeah. And they've got Devonte Smith, which have you seen the catches he's been making? They got Brown from the Titans too. So Brown, but those two guys, all of a sudden they, they have threats all over the field. They did get the Hawaiian kid hurt on the offensive line. I haven't heard. Oh, the left tackle? Yeah, he's good. He's good. And I, I, he got his, his leg rolled up on, so I don't know what became of him. But yeah, Miles Sanders, you could see how happy he was with, with that game for just for himself. I mean, what did he end up with, 140 yards? Yeah, he scored twice, and they, they threw him a couple passes. So yeah, it was... Uh... It was, uh, and they were, you know what? They, they go down 14 nothing against old Doug Peterson, didn't bl- never blinked an eye. Never blinked in that, in that weather, in that weather. It's, Peterson's got something built here. What, well, the other thing I enjoyed about that game is it showed what a schmuck Urban Meyer is, didn't it? 
He's got, he's got that house in order. They played a really good game, lost 29-21, and it was that close against arguably the best team in the NFL right now. So that's cool, too, that Doug Peterson's doing that. Yeah, I like him because he wears a visor like myself. So I like Doug Peterson. Hey, Dave, looking at Penn State the rest of the way, assuming Mo plays for Minnesota. I think he will, yeah. I uh, I, I tab them, and you know, anything can happen, right? Like anything can happen. I had him seven and five at the start of the year. As did I. If you had to kind of revisit your pick, what do you think is a more likely, likely assuming no catastrophes, what's a more likely regular season finish, you think, for Penn State? Ten and two or nine and three. That once they get done with this this brutal stretch, Tom Allen looks like he's he's done. I mean, that team looks done to me. And in, in recent years, you kind of had to strap it on for Indiana. You know, they were going to be a tough team, not physically gifted necessarily, but you were going to have to fight them. And right now they look like they're out of bullets. They just don't look like that's, that's one of the remaining road trips after Michigan and the other one's Rutgers, uh, which has no quarterback. That's just a pathetic case right now. If, if you're going up against the, the other question mark game is Maryland. Um, the two question mark games are Maryland at home, Minnesota at home. Can they rebound from what's probably a loss at Michigan? Not definitely, but, but if you had to pick it, that's a loss. Are you going to pick a loss or what have you thought about it? Yeah, I, I do think not that, it, not that it's that intimidating of an environment for a crowd. that It's not. It never is. Yeah. The Auburn game. I don't think that comes into play. I, I, I look at the Purdue game and how that hung in the balance. And I just think that uh, Michigan is all the way around a little bit of a better team. So I think it'll be a great game, a great four quarter game. But I, I do think that Michigan has the edge. You, you, if, if you're going to pick it, you got to, you pretty much got to pick a loss, even optimistic Penn state fans. So then they've been through a meat grinder of a game, which that will be their defense is going to earn their pay. <laughs> and they are getting paid now, so it's okay. And then they got to go up against Minnesota, which we will see if Ibrahim is they're going to have that Illinois game. So, so it's going to be a couple of beat up teams who've been through physical games. You'd have to pick a win there against Minnesota, seeing what we saw uh, for them against Purdue. So it really all comes down to Ohio State. You can't pick them. You can't pick anybody against Ohio State because their weaponry just precludes it. Now they got Julian Fleming catching touchdown passes. They got Harrison's kid. They got another kid named Amika Buka, who is all of a sudden, they don't even play Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's been hurt. He's got a hammy. They've got this squadron of guys going downfield. They're impossible to, it will be very interesting though, because you're going to have a matchup of coordinators who used to be on the same staff and Jim Knowles and Mike Yurcich, who worked together as offensive coordinators at Oklahoma State. So that will be damned interesting, to especially uh, Penn State's secondary against Ohio State's uh, wideouts and receivers. So you can't pick them against that team. But the rest of the schedule at Indiana, Maryland, at Rutgers, Michigan State, you, you got to pick them in all four games. And I'm not a believer in Maryland yet. You know, I just am not. They played very well at Michigan, but you stack their athletes up against Penn State's 
can Penn State's secondary handle their best feature, which is their passing game? Yeah, I think it can. And and then what do they have? They've got a couple of good running backs. It's all about how how well Penn State's offense performs against Maryland's defense, which you know is just not that great. So nine and three, ten and two. I did not expect them to win either one of those games, Auburn at Auburn at at Purdue, and they did. Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot here as only I can as we can as we wind down the bi week blue white breakdown podcast. So I'm going to make you. I'm going to ask you to make two predictions. I'm going to hold you to them. The first one is total number of passes, Dave, in the Illinois-Minnesota game. What would you set that number at? <laughs> hey, Tommy DeVito is playing pretty well. I'm, I, I, need a, I need a number, Dave. I need a number. I, I'm going to – I'm thinking pretty low. 40. Yeah. I'll take under. Tommy DeVito is contributing. The kid from Syracuse – he is, he is playing pretty damn well. I would put him in the top third of Big Ten quarterbacks right now. I'd put him on a plane with Sean Clifford right now, and, and that isn't bad. And, and we've seen Tanner Morgan. We've seen Tanner Morgan have some very good games. He just needs a complete template to draw from, and that includes Mo Ibrahim. So Mo Ibrahim's health of his ankle is paramount to Minnesota. All right, Dave. This is the big one, and I'm definitely holding you to this one. Who wins a street fight between Ryan Day and Greg Schiano? I thought you were going to say Mike Loxley and Brett Bielema. Nope. <laughs> Ryan Day and Greg Schiano. Who you got and why? It's Schiano. Come on. He was the one who crossed the field. Schiano crossed the field. Wasn't that great? They were making tough guy faces at each other. You know, did you watch it? You know, you know how you could always tell. Ryan Day knew he was going to be held back, yeah, and Greg right. was just right there hoping he would not be held back. That's how you felt right away what was going to happen. Give me a reason. Give me a reason to make yeah. your lawyer let rich. Him, let, him no, let him go. Let him go, coach. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> That's what that was my read on that. Well, Shiano crossed the field. That's uh, the. the you know, those things are always funny because they they really have nothing to do with protecting your players or any of that crap. It's, it's a giant ego show. And head coaches would not be where they are. No one who achieves anything is where they are without some ego. And head coaches have a lot of them. But, you know, they were, they were former coordinators to, together under Urban Meyer. So they know each other well. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt among, uh, among opposite coordinators on a staff. And so there's probably a little, little edginess. I mean, that's why I'm looking forward to this Knowles Yursich matchup in, in state college and during Halloween. Cause th- those guys do know each other. Excellent. Well, I think at the top of this po- uh, podcast, you said something about Kaiser needing breakfast. So I think it might be time to get your, your big dog fed and we will see the Penn state fans uh, next week after the bye week weekend. And it's Michigan week, Dave, Lots to talk about next week, um, but I want to make sure you enjoy your bye week thoroughly. Kaiser, Kaiser, you want some breakfast? You want some breakfast? Uh-oh, he heard something. All right, he's going to get some breakfast. See you later. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live. <laughs>